Have you looked into space at all? Oh, well, maybe this will happen. Oh. Do you think it's possible for scenarios like Space Jam to really exist? Right. I agreed. I'm going to take the high ceiling play over the stable floor play. I'd imagine about five people in the fantasy football community have heard my name. You're soft, Brooks. Heck yeah, dude. Intergalactic. Planetary. you doing a theater podcast if I had... You know the right people around me, but I got stuck doing this fantasy podcast. So, welcome back to another episode of the Fantasy Football Astronauts. Unfortunately, your favorite redhead and hot take specialist Brooks could not be here today. But I am your host, Michael Risher. You can ha- find me on Twitter at FF underscore Rish. And we have Ben here. Check him out on Twitter at Jetpack Galileo. Hey, hey. And joining us today, we have our first guest ever on the Fantasy Football Astronauts, Mason Dodd. And he is a podcaster and YouTube specialist. He makes a lots of videos for the fantasy football community. You can catch him on Twitter at, at @buildthedynasty. And he's just really kind of an emerging star as far as all of this goes. Mason, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. And that is a very generous, generous info. I'm pretty sure I am far from an emerging star. I'd imagine about five people in the fantasy football community have heard my name. It's a lot of the videos that you make. They're getting a lot of interest, and you post some of them, and, and they get a couple thousand views, and, and that's really exciting to see. And anytime you can kind of just start this this channel and, and pretty quickly get this number of views, that's that's pretty impressive. So it has to say something about the content that you're putting out there. Yeah, it's, I think it's definitely the content. It, I have had a lot of success really recently. I did not expect to start out this hot at all, considering not that many people are on YouTube right now. And I think it's just I'm grinding every single day, putting in three hours a day, creating this content, making sure I get out at least one to two videos a day. So it's definitely paying you off. That's really impressive. That's a lot of effort. How many videos have you posted on your YouTube channel? Yeah, I'm sitting at 125 right now. That's nice. What do you, what would you say like the average viewers of your videos are? At the beginning? I don't know. I, I was exciting, excited if I hit 50 viewers, but from now on, pretty much every video I post is hitting 500 views, especially since YouTube's something that, you know, with podcasts, you upload it on iTunes or whatever. It gets a bunch of downloads the first week, and then nobody ever touches it ever again. It's so far back in the catalog that it's never going to get another download. With these YouTube videos, they will always get views for their entire entirety of, since they've been posted. Oh, that's nice. So you just continue to get stuff on, on old videos you posted. Exactly. So r- r- like right now, I know we just recorded. I'm looking at these numbers. The videos we made got 408 views, 456, 503, 270. But that's just right now. So you have to know that they're going to be getting views forever, pretty much. That's great. All right. So let's let's move into a little bit of fantasy football, a little bit of real football here. 
What do you think about the whole AB and Juju social media war? They kind of went back and forth on Twitter, took some shots. Has AB lost his mind? And do you think he'll be able to hold it together in Oakland? Or is he kind of just going crazy here? I, I think this is crazy. I know there was a conspiracy that AB was putting on a show and acting like he was just straight lost his mind to get traded by the Pittsburgh Steelers and get a bunch of money. But he already accomplished that. And he's still putting on this act. So clearly it was never an act and he's just completely changed or he just started showing his true colors lately. And it really looked like that Juju winning that team MVP actually got to AB. I know that's when the drama really escalated and there was a lot of conspiracies that Juju winning that team MVP was the final straw for Antonio Brown. And I think that this social media of war kind of proved that to be true. Yeah, I think the whole AB thing is kind of wild. There might be some some other things going on in his life that are not all together. And so, you know, you don't want to comment too much on that. But, I mean, people, these are people, right? And they got all sorts of stuff going on. So, but yeah, it's kind of sad to see a relationship that looked good. It was probably pretty good while they were on the Steelers together and playing well and everybody was happy. And then to see that fall apart, that kind of is a bummer. But as far as... What do I think about how that impacts me or what does that do for fantasy? Like, I don't really care. I, if anything, buy more Antonio Brown and buy more Juju because everybody plays better when they're mad. <laughs> like, everybody's got a chip on their shoulder. Everyone's trying to prove. AB wants to prove that he's the best, you know, wide receiver in the NFL. He wants everybody to know that. So, I, I mean, there's no reason to, you know, sell him because of this or be worried about him being actually crazy or that impacting the Raiders at all. I think, yeah, they'll get that figured out. Let me say one thing on AB real quick. He actually dropped off largely in efficiency in 2018. I know a lot of people blame it on the catchable target rate that he got from Ben Roethlisberger, but I think a lot of it was he lost a step. I think Josh Hermsmeyer put this article out on Rotoviz about halfway through the season, and we saw Antonio Brown's yards per attempt completely drop off where it's it was lower than where it has been in most years of his career. And I think that was the age 30 season. I think that he's actually slowing down. And I don't think that he's going to be the same wide receiver in Oakland. He's still going to be a great wide receiver. He's still going to be a wide receiver one, no doubt. But I don't think he's going to be that elite wide receiver that's going to win you fantasy football championships. And I think a lot of people are going to blame it on this. They're going to blame it on the off-field concerns. They're going to blame it on the change in scenery. While in reality, I think it may be a little bit of everything, but the majority of it will be that just old age and he's slowing down. I think a lot of the uncatchable targets has a lot to do with it. He is he is 30 now, he'll be 31 when the season starts, but I don't know that he's lost too much. I can see that definitely if that's if that's the angle you want to put on it, where that's kind of how you explain away any drop in production from here on out. But I think when you look at Big Ben's declining efficiency and he's just he's just chucking it out there. And I think the uncatchable target rate is just a huge, huge number for Antonio Brown's efficiency. It's hard to ignore that. And whether he lost a step or not, it's really hard to ignore that incredible uncatchable target rate. So is Derek Carr going to be any better? I don't know. Probably not. No, yeah, probably not too much. So I, I think that would be interesting, just seeing that quarterback change. 
would you say that you like Julio Jones more than Antonio Brown now? In terms of no question. I actually liked Julio Jones more last year, which I know is highly contrarian because most people think that Antonio Brown has the body type to hold up to another couple years in the league. But I'm kind of skeptical of that because I don't think we can just point at outliers and just say that's going to be Antonio Brown. I don't think that there's much evidence or statistical backing behind that speculation that Antonio Brown is going to be able to pull a Jerry Rice and play very late into his career at a very high level. That's fair. I I mean, Julio last year just looked absolutely dominant physically still, and people were saying, oh, maybe this is where he starts to drop off with some, some past injuries and stuff, but he just looks still so physically dominant that it's hard to even bet against him. I'm always hashtag always Julio. Oh yeah. Same here. Can oh. can I get one more word in about Antonio Brown? Absolutely. With his yards per attempt dropping off, I know that you can easily blame it on the how low his catchable targets were from Ben Roethlisberger, but you have to also think that he should have had an increase in efficiency with Juju Smith-Schuster playing alongside him because we saw a lot of teams put their number one cornerbacks on Juju, which was actually surprising. It wasn't that often. But it was definitely a lot more often than what we've seen in years past. So if anything, with James Washington and Juju there, it should have taken away a little bit of Antonio Brown's volume. But I think it should have increased his efficiency. And that's just not what happened. Where would you consider taking AB in a startup? What round, beginning, end of the second, third even? I play in only Superflex leagues. So in a Superflex league, I would say he's... He'd be a good pick mid to late third. And I would rather have Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson over him. I can I can definitely see that. It, we're, we're big on get the running backs early. That was actually the next question was, what's your favorite format of fantasy football to play? So Superflex, what do you prefer about Superflex that normal one quarterback leagues don't have to offer? Superflex is just so much more complicated. One quarterback leagues are kind of solved at this point. Everybody knows just don't draft a quarterback. Don't trade for a quarterback. Why would you ever have a quarterback on your team? So it's not, I don't want to say it's easy, but there's not enough to the game. There's not enough strategy. Whereas you throw in some QB value and that just makes basically makes an extra position for the league that you have to worry about in rookie drafts, in trades, making sure you have two to three starters on your team. And it really increases the activity of the league, and it's just a lot better in my opinion. Do you like the number of points scored? Is that an added bonus, or is it not necessarily as important to you? I mean, more points is always better, right? Yeah. I'm with you on the Superflex. I think the two quarterback leagues are so much more fun. There's too many good quarterbacks is the reason why. And so, like you're saying, it doesn't necessarily matter who you have. And so, but when you go to two QB, then then uh, some guys are always going to be struggling. And that, that makes everything more fun, more challenging. But like you couldn't do the same thing with tight ends, right? There's only like four good tight ends. So, do you play? Yeah, tight end I actually like well? playing in tight end premium leagues, just because in one tight end leagues, it doesn't really matter who you have. Like I'll be rolling out with Austin Hooper, and I don't really care. But in tight end premium leagues, those guys like O.J. Howard and David Njoku and Evan Ingram, the fun tight ends that you actually have to speculate on, they matter. So I really like playing in tight end premium leagues. I just got into a lot more this offseason. 
I've only played in a couple in the past, but looking for more and more leagues like that. That's fun. Yeah, I don't typically play in the Superflex or, or any special formats. I like the the Dynasty 0.5 PPR. Maybe that just feels safe, but it's easy for me to kind of manage the teams because you don't necessarily have to be thinking too much. So as I've been kind of busy the past couple of years with school, it's easy to continue to manage those teams. But the, the Superflex definitely adds a whole lot of, of different strategy and your entire draft strategy changes and all of your trade strategy changes and all of a sudden backup quarterbacks become important because you you get one guy go down and then your team is screwed because that was that was one of your good quarterbacks so you have to you have to constantly be hedging your bets with quarterbacks that are liable for injury risk the more rushing quarterbacks, you have to you have to be able to have some backups on your team there and, and guys that'll produce outside of just your top one or two quarterbacks. So I, I like that aspect as well. Yeah. Have you all ever played in a points per carry league? I have not played in a points per carry league. Have you been? No, that sounds kind of gross. Honestly, it's really fun. Like, like you, Michael, you were talking about earlier, more points is more fun. And... <laughs> In a points per carry league, there's a lot of points. If you throw in 0.2 points per carry, just jacks the running back value up. It makes those three down backs even more valuable, and it's a whole lot of fun. That does sound pretty interesting. I think the craziest format I ever heard was a bunch of high school kids. I was I was a young life leader for a little bit, and these high school kids went in and just screwed with all of their stats. So their scores were like 250 to 500. And if your your running back, if he fumbled it, then it was minus 10. But if he fumbled it and then recovered his own fumble, he got like plus 20 or something. Crazy. What the heck? So, like, there so it's not of, predictive at all? Just complete randomness? Oh, yeah. It was I – mean, they, they did it uh, – one, one person just went in and messed with all the rules, and then they didn't realize it, and they drafted. But all of a sudden, these guys that were fumbling like crazy but recovering their own fumbles were winning leagues. <laughs> that's hilarious one thing i like with like points per carry and points per reception is it makes it a lot more predictable and projections matter a lot more and i think it takes a lot of random randomness out of the game yeah you're you're really able to capitalize on volume a little bit more because it is the total volume that matters and yeah you you, you eliminate the randomness of the big play or not having the big play because you're you're getting that higher floor with your running backs that get a lot of carries. You you play IDP or head coach or what kind of different position you play? You still play with a kicker? No, I don't play with a kicker or defenses. I haven't gotten into IDP yet just because I'm already so focused in on regular fantasy football. I cannot imagine throwing in that giant player pool into my head. I think I would go crazy. <laughs> I agree. I don't I don't love the IDP format. It just seems it seems like way too much and too random. Yeah, it's way no, too random. Like you have no idea if he's gonna get an interception or not. Right. Like Yeah. I'll admit I think that's where fantasy football is probably heading like thirty years down the line if NFL's still around. I think a, they're gonna there's gonna be a lot more IDP leagues. I just hopefully am not in any of them for my own mental health why like mental <laughs> health because that would just drive me insane yeah i get that it's just it's just too much right now and 
and th- your people are constantly looking for that new change, that new that new challenge. So I think that's why the the super flex and two quarterback leagues have kind of come on in the past couple of years. And not that they're the new norm right now, but I see a lot of people are preferring to play those over over the normal one quarterback leagues. I th- I actually think they are the new norm. I would imagine if you look at all leagues created. Like from here on out, the majority of them will be super flex. I can definitely, definitely see that. So going back to the the points per carry, let's talk some top sleeper running backs. Who outside your your normal guys that everyone loves, your your first two rounds, who are guys that you're looking to snag later in the draft? Maybe um, maybe some guys that aren't necessarily starters right now. Who are the top sleeper running backs that you have? Give me Give me a little bit of a list here. This might be a little high, but my favorite sleeper running back is Rashad Penny. My second favorite sleeper running back is Ronald Jones, mainly because the situations these running backs are in, at least in the case of Ronald Jones, Rashad Penny's kind of splitting a backfield with Chris Carson right now. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think Rashad Penny takes over that job in training camp. But Ronald Jones is looking at being the starting running back in Tampa. Unless the Bucks draft someone significantly high, I would say, top four rounds in the NFL draft, but I think that they don't go that route. Their GM just recently said that they have not given up on Ronald Jones and that they still like him. And it was kind of a non-story on Twitter, mainly because everybody on Twitter hates Ronald Jones, which is kind of why I like him. I didn't draft Ronald Jones in a single league last year. I didn't draft him in a startup. I didn't draft him in a rookie draft. But at this point, I think he has to be a value just for where he's going and where he was going last year. So I'm probably going to be loading up on him and Rashad Penny because they're both guys with high draft capital that are going into year two, and a lot of people are down on them. Yeah, I think that's those are those are fair assessments. Those are the right guys you're talking about when you want to look at sleepers. Is just guys that you know a team believed in because they invested a lot, and then now they got a shot maybe this this second round because they didn't do anything first year. But like with Ronald Jones, I used to. I kind of liked him. Ben was a out. Ben was a big Ronald Jones guy. He got kind of a Jamal Jamal Charles ceiling comp from Ben, which was ooh, really high that's rough. And then, and then and then when we saw him going to camp, and then you're like, oh, he can't catch. Then it's like, oh, well, forget it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think the one of the hardest things for me to project is how a guy catches passes if his team doesn't throw to him, right? And so like yeah. Jamal Charles, when he was in college, he caught like 14 passes a year. And then Ronald Jones kind of was like the same deal. And so you don't really know, right? Um, and so I was I was speculating that on that. Um, but yeah, if they tell you in camp that he can't catch, then yeah, he can't catch. <laughs> so Ben was Ben was pretty high on uh, Rashad Penny and Ronald Jones last year as prospects. And even more so on Penny than Rojo, I think. Do you like Rashad Penny as just a football player, as just a prospect? Or is it more of the process that you outlined with the high draft capital is that is it more of a uh, you like the profile of him or you like him as a player? I like to look at the profile more of the prospect at this point. And I'm a massive draft capital kind of guy. I think that drastically changes the outcomes of these players because the opportunity they get. I don't think NFL teams get it right all the time. So that's not why I'm really high on draft capital. I just think that NFL teams want to look like they're right all the time. So they're going to be willing to give the guy that they drafted highly the ball. That's a great point. Teams don't want to to give up on guys. You saw that with Kevin White. The Bears kept hyping him as this guy that could take over and be the number one. And that just happened for years and he never did. But they kept giving him the hype and they kept giving him the hype. 
So I, I think that's a great point that not a lot of people bring up is that these teams don't want to be wrong and you never ever want to miss on a guy. So you're going to continue giving them a shot. And Teddy's an interesting situation too, or the same thing where you kind of found out in camp, maybe that someone's wrong. He went to the combine, he was 220 and then he came in camp, he was 236. So had a little bit too much China food. And, and <laughs> so, Eddie we talk about Eddie Lacey <laughs> way too much on this podcast. But, um, Seahawks, right? <laughs> like, come on. So, yeah, I mean, I think if Penny comes into camp, he's a little skinnier, then, you know, maybe there's a little hope. Penny is a, a fast guy. He's a small, he's like a, a, he's a big, fast guy, but he wasn't a power back. And so that was always interesting to see, okay, well, now he's 236. What's he going to look like? So. I mean, yeah, Penny was play. good in his rookie year. In his limited opportunities, he really showed what he can do. He just wasn't getting the opportunities because Chris Carson was actually good last year. And I was really wrong on that. I didn't really have Rojo anywhere going in 2019, but I did have Penny in quite a bit of places. And in camp, when Chris Carson was getting all that hype, I was telling everybody, y'all are so dumb for thinking Chris Carson's going to get the ball. The Seahawks just drafted him in the first round. And turns out I was the one who was just an idiot. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you never know. Like the, the injuries are so unpredictable and, and that kind of slowed him down and he came into camp heavy and, like for all intents and purposes, that seems like a buy low. People are starting to lose faith in Rashad Penny. Oh, let's just get more shares. Let's get more shares. And then that backfires completely. <laughs> yeah, exa that's exactly what I did. Hey, same thing with Rojo. I didn't have any shares. And then going into about like week three, right after he got injured and everybody already hated him at this point, I was going out and buying him for, I think one point I traded Tyler Boyd for him, which looks horrible now. <laughs> It wasn't a points per carry league, but this is right after Tyler Boyd had his one big game. And I really like to flip players like that because that doesn't happen very often where a player just comes out and has one big game and then gets a decent amount of value from nothing. And this was just a league where I got Tyler Boyd in like one of the last rounds of the startup. Rojo just went at like 103. And then I'm sitting here at like week three of the NFL season. I'm like, if I can flip this player, I just got at like my last pick in the startup for a player who has that kind of capital only three weeks into his career, I was definitely going to do that. And I think the process was right there. Turned out I was way wrong, but I think if it was, if I had the chance to do it again, I would. Let's talk, let's talk Tyler Boyd a little bit. What do you think his value is dynasty wise? Dynasty wise. I think he may be a little bit overvalued right now. I really like the hype. He's a former second round pick, but in that offense, I don't think he's going to get that many targets. I love Joe Mixon. I think Joe Mixon is one of the most talented running backs in the NFL. And I think he's going to command a large volume of both carries and receptions on that team. So I don't think he's going to leave that much for the wide receivers. And what is left for the wide receivers, I think, is going to go to A.J. Green. I think he's still the wide receiver one in that offense. So I don't think Tyler Boyd is going to increase his value at all over the next year. And that Bengals offense is just going to be average to begin with. So with Joe Mixon and A.J. Green soaking up a lot of the targets, I don't think much is going to be left for Tyler Boyd. You don't think they can do like a Robert Woods, Brandon Coates, Cooper Cup type situation there? No, I do not think so. I think the Cincinnati Bengals are a lot worse than the Los Angeles Rams. That's, I mean, that's true. But you, you still have, you have actually pretty close to those, those guys there. Yeah, you, you yeah. definitely have the you player types. Oh yeah, no, I definitely agree. I was talking. I think I made a when I went over the team needs Bengals for the Bengals a long time ago, like two months ago. I mentioned that they had a like 
sneaky top 10 wide receiver group because I think I'm, I'm not a big John Ross guy. I've never owned John Ross in a single league, but I think he's going to be a good NFL wide receiver. I think he has a chance to still prove that he's going to be able to help that team's efficiency just because those downfield threats like Marquise Brown coming into the league this year aren't necessarily going to help your fantasy football team because they're not going to get that volume, but they're going to help everybody else in the offense just because they're going to be able to stretch the field and make the offense more efficient. And I think John John Ross can actually do that going into year three. So I think he's going to see the field a decent amount. I think A.J. Green is still an elite wide receiver in the league. I think he's probably a top 10 wide receiver in talent. And I think Tyler Boyd's probably a very good wide receiver. He's probably He would probably be the wide receiver one on most teams. So I do think they have a lot of weapons. That team has just hasn't showed that they can produce a lot of fantasy assets. Yeah, you're you're really hoping Zach Taylor kind of turns it around. You're, what you're really hoping is that Joe Mixon finally gets the volume that he deserves um, and the passing volume that he deserves, and that that you really can have that funnel of targets and funnel of volume to both AJ Green and Joe Mixon. That's we're we're both big on Joe Mixon. We we absolutely loved his talent coming out. So. I think yeah, that's we would we'd be all in on on Joe Mixon getting all those targets, all those carries. But but yeah, you're 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 really looking at a, an AJ Green and Joe Mixon funnel. I like Tyler Boyd. His price actually, I just was in two startups. His price actually was pretty good for me. He was being drafted in the wide receiver thirty range, and I just missed him coming back around on the turn. So I I'm in on Tyler Boyd for the right price. I think Tyler Boyd, if anything happens to A.J. Green, he showed that he can step in and he can take over that wide receiver one role and he can do really well with good volume. So I think I think at, at worst you're getting the future of that franchise and, and at best you're getting you're getting a, a wide receiver too. So for his price right now, I, I'm definitely buying Tyler Boyd. Here, here's a quick question: Would you rather have Tyler Boyd or Mike Williams? Yeah, Mike Williams with the Tyrell with the Tyrell Williams targets being vacated, I'll go Mike Williams. But it is closer for me than than I think. Yeah. 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 yeah see, that's what I think. Actually, most people have Tyler Boyd over Mike Williams, from at least what I see on Twitter, on GroupMe, in my leagues. And I'm a big Mike Williams believer in that range. So that's maybe why I'm not that high on Tyler Boyd when I could just go flip him for a wide receiver that I like more in that range. But you definitely can't go wrong. I think he has the talent, and I think he's going to be around to stay in the NFL. I'm just a little bit worried about his ceiling in the next couple of years. That's fair. That's fair. Definitely. I mean, A.J. Green's definitely going to cap uh, Tyler Boyd's Tyler Boyd's value. <laughs> give me give me two more deep, deep. I want you to dig deep as you can. Give me two deep, deep running back stashes that you really want and that you're kind of trying to stockpile here? Well, one just got ruined today, and that was TJ Yeldon. I was sending out offers literally yesterday in all my leagues to try to acquire TJ Yeldon because I was worried that a lot of people, I was hoping that a lot of people were worried about him, that he hasn't signed yet. I was really wanting to pick him up for some third round picks, but that didn't go through at all, and I think he's a little more than a stash now, considering that he's most likely going to be a New England Patriot. So oh, yeah. he's going to be very exciting as a handcuff to Sony Michelle. He could even end up getting a decent amount of targets out of that backfield because New England is really lacking pass catchers for 2019, and I don't know how far Tom Brady's going to be able to get the ball down the field. So I think we can see a lot of dump-off passes 
from Brady, and they can't all go to Edelman. They can't all go to James White. So I think TJ Yeldon may be able to get a couple targets going his way. I've stashed the Yeldon a little bit myself, and I was trying to trying to buy earlier in the season when before he became the free agent. And yeah, I think I think he's a great pickup. It's just yeah, you just don't know right now if he if he's looking like he's going to go to the New England Patriots. He would definitely be the the number three back on that team, and James White has shown he's he's the pass catching back there. So they would really have to do something as far as switching around the the volume of targets and moving James White to the slot more. And so the the whole dynamic of that offense would would be confusing for me. I love the talent of T.J. Yeldon, but yeah, New England would definitely put a damper on my excitement for him, just just because of that situation. I was really really hoping. He would end up in uh, in like a, a Tampa Bay or a Philly type situation where he could he could definitely be the top talent in that backfield. I agree that those two situations would have probably been better for him, but I think New England you at least I like to have those high end backup running backs in dynasty fantasy football, not necessarily in leagues where you can only roster twenty five guys, but I play in a lot of leagues where you can roster about thirty five players. And I actually find a good amount of value in that, just churning the bottom of my roster with deep running backs compared to deep wide receivers, because I think the deep running backs can hit for a higher ceiling than those deep wide receivers. So I think TJ Yeldon's still going to be a guy that I'm going after because I think he might have that floor. I think he can maybe get about 30, 35 receptions in 2019, even if nothing happens to Sony Michelle. And in the case where Sony Michelle goes down, I think that he could be a top 15 running back. Oh, absolutely. With with injury, TJ Yeldon can he, – I mean, he showed already that he can step in and be that that RB1 that you're looking for. So he definitely – with so, if Sony Michelle were to go down, if that knee problem flares up again, he could definitely step in and, and command a, a good, good amount of carries, a good amount of targets. All right, give me one more deep, deep dynasty stash for running back. A deep guy I'm looking at is Rod Smith. He still hasn't landed anywhere. I would also put him in the bucket with JHI. I'd be looking to go after both of these free agent running backs that haven't signed anywhere. And I think you can get them for a very reasonable price. And I think that both of them have high upside if they land in the right spot in 2019. I like that. I like Malcolm Brown. I think. Oh, that's nice. Right? Like Todd Gurley, you don't know. You don't yeah, know. I, I really like that call. You don't, you don't know anymore. And you get Malcolm Brown in the 14th round? Top 10. Top 10 RB if, if Todd gets hurt. And you're talking just a dart throw in the 14th round for a potential top 10 guy. They, That's a no-brainer. They have to yeah. draft a guy, so that'll be interesting to see. They pretty much have to draft a guy. and so yeah, Do they? they have, I mean, they have John, they have John Kelly. Kelly. I, they're good. I mean. You want more than three running backs yes, on the roster? Yes, I want somebody to compete, and I want somebody to win that th- third spot. Yeah. So are are we sure that Malcolm Brown is that backup over John Kelly? Because, if, I mean, if We're y'all not. are sure of this, I'm definitely going to go out and send out some Malcolm Brown offers. The only thing that's been holding me back is John Kelly there. They they just extended him. So I don't know that, that – that, I mean, I think John Kelly is probably more talented, actually. But because they extended Brown – and in season, in season, you saw that Malcolm Brown got more touches. So when when you were looking before the C.J. Anderson signing, when you were looking at guys, it was Malcolm Brown that that you were looking at. So I don't see that that would necessarily change at this point. I really like the talent of John Kelly. I I really like him as a, a draft prospect, but 
I think I think you gotta just believe that it's Malcolm Brown right now that he's that backup guy. I'm definitely gonna go out and send out some offers for Malcolm Brown in that case. Oh, and y'all wanna hear a fun fact? Malcolm Brown actually went to high school like a mile down from the street from me. So he's a little hometown hero for us. You always gotta believe in the hometown guy. Yes, sir. Who's the Who's the other guy you like, Ben? Uh, Duke Johnson. Oh yeah, big yeah. Duke. So Duke asking for the trade is huge, actually. It's big. So if Duke gets traded, let's say he goes to the Eagles or something cool, you know. Duke Duke is the best pass catching running back. He's top five of the pass catchers. He's super efficient. If you look, really if you well look at his pass, efficiency, yeah. he's he's up there with Alvin Kamara as far as the top three, top two guys in in efficiency numbers. Yeah. So yeah, I'm a big Evan Silva slurper, and Duke Johnson's one of Evan Evan Silva's favorite running backs. So I can definitely agree with that. Yeah. All right, let's move into wide receivers. Who? Give me some top sleeper wide receivers. We're talking outside of those those normal guys. Who are your top sleeper wide receivers? I'll let Ben go first here because. I, I'll get into it later on. Let, let's hear, let let's hear, let's let Ben go first. I think Nelson Aguilar. You can kind of sneak in on him. So there's an interesting situation there. He's kind of being viewed as like a, a toss in for trades right now. Like I've seen him just just be a throw in to add like a tiny bit of value, and the trade calculators hate him. And right. yeah, yeah, so you can pick him up for basically free, and he could be more valuable than Alshon. That's right? fair. Yeah, I mean. Right. He, he, we don't know yeah. what the value of any of the Eagles receivers are, really. And we know, you know, Nick Foles did a really good job with Alshon, but, like, Carson Wentz doesn't care. He'll throw to anybody. And so, yeah, I like Nelson Aguilar. I think he's super cheap. He'd be a good value. Maybe, like, a top 20 wide receiver. Yeah, anyone else for me, Ben? Oh, the tough <laughs> questions. The tough questions. All right, Mason, let's, let's flip it back to you. Who do you have? Give me one sleeper wide receiver that you're going after. Okay, I'll give you one sleeper wide receiver and then put a caveat on it. I would say just for the purpose of this exercise, Devontae Parker, he should at least maybe he's going to get opportunity this year in 2019. There's nobody else there. I'm not an Albert Wilson fan. I do think he starts, but I don't think he's going to be producing. And maybe Devontae Parker finally gets the opportunity with Adam Gase gone, and maybe he actually does something with it. So Why aren't you an Albert Wilson fan? <laughs> I, I'm just not a fan of wide receivers who come from nowhere with no capital. They rarely, rarely ever hit. There's rarely an Antonio Brown. There's rarely an Adam Thielen. I do not like to spend my roster spots on those kind of guys. I feel like I could easily get a wide receiver that's going to put up similar numbers to Albert Wilson on the waiver wire. And this is why I'm not a big fan of sleeper wide receivers in general. I would rather spend those roster spots on running backs, I would rather roster Malcolm Brown over like a Laquan Treadwell. And I just think that's more efficient use of a roster spot. I would rather go heavy wide receiver in a startup with my four to five picks, only have to roster five wide receivers, and then load up on late round RBs. I know this was a very popular strategy back in like 2015, but everybody's gone away from this. And I think there's an edge to be had there. How so? When you talk about post hype sleepers, how many posts do you have to put for <laughs> Devontae Parker? Like, is it are you stopping at post, post, post hype, or are you? Let, let me think. Um, yeah, I, I think you got to go post, post, post hype. Yeah, I think three posts is good there. Brutal. I'm, yeah, I'm not interested in Devontae Parker. I have him in a dynasty league, maybe I think two dynasty leagues, and I mean he's just a total. He's he's the guy where. And this is this is where you where you look at guys like 
DK Metcalf where you're a little bit concerned about the injury history where they they kind of flashed and then and then they didn't really play a full season so you didn't get that full season of production this is why I'm a little hesitant on DK Metcalf is is the Devonte Parker feel where you get the freak athletes and that never had that full season and then they come out to the NFL and you're like oh my gosh there's this this athletic the athletic prowess the the numbers the size the speed and then they just never fully hit so I'm still because Devontae Parker is so cheap and because that just absolutely lack of talent in Miami as far as pass catchers, I'm getting Devontae Parker warily. <laughs> and I want to believe, I believe for the past two years, I spent way too much on him for the past believe two every years. Every year. You have to. You have to. <laughs> he's, he's, the, he's the one guy that I've never been able to just fully get over. That's funny. I actually didn't buy into Devontae Parker until 2018. I never, I thought he was always overhyped. And then going into 2018, I thought that he was going to get a decent amount of opportunity. He actually got opportunity in the games he played in 2017. And if you extrapolated it, it didn't look that bad of what he was going to do in 2018, even if he just barely improved. So I thought that the ceiling was high for Devontae Parker in 2018. And I really whiffed on that one. I actually traded Cooper Cup straight up for Devontae Parker going into 2018. Oh, That's how bad I whipped on Devontae Parker. That hurts. That really hurts. You know what I love, Mason? You're just so honest. That's great, man. Yeah. I mean, I I win. Oh, like, I would, nobody likes to hear about the winning stories. I think everybody likes to talk about it, but nobody really likes to hear about it. That's true. And ben, I think we also ben, learn more from when we make bad decisions. Yeah, there's a ton to learn from. Ben's Ben's capitalized on that with me. He hyped me up about some guys, uh, namely Paul Perkins, and and love Paul Perkins, man. And so he he's he's Ben's <laughs> like master of getting the hype up and then capitalizing right at your when you're at your most vulnerable for a guy. And that's Ben's biggest quality is winning in those situations. But yeah, you're exactly right. Nobody wants to talk about their their worst losses. No one wants to talk about all the times they fail because that you feel like that hurts your credibility. But everybody makes dumb choices, even like yeah, Paul Perkins exactly. for a first rounder. Ben, have you made any bad choices? Yeah, <laughs> I traded Alshon and oh, yeah. Carlos Hyde for JJ. And then <laughs> that's really funny. This was this was like the best Ben Ben that trade like trading with Ben in this one league completely changed my roster to where I I have an incredible team now and I was a middle of the pack to below average team. Yeah, would you you turn Carlos Hyde into what? I turned so I traded I had Jay Jai I traded Jai to Ben for Carlos Hyde and Alshon Jeffrey. I flipped Alshon for a first rounder in a trade that got me Michael Thomas. And then I traded Carlos Hyde for a first rounder. And then I traded that same first rounder I already had in a package for Zeke. So you got Michael Thomas from me. So I traded Michael Thomas away for Dalvin Cook last year. Yeah. So that whole, that whole cascade of events of Jay Ajayi for Carlos Hyde and Alshon Jeffrey got me Michael Thomas and Zeke. That is insane. Pretty brutal. Yeah, that was rough. That was rough. Yeah. All right, let's let's go into these rookie wide receivers just real quick. Everyone talks about the big four wide receivers: Nikhil Harry, 
A.J. Brown, not A.J. Green, D.K. Metcalf, Akeem Butler's been getting a ton of hype lately. Just give me a couple wide receivers you like, not named those guys. Tell me a little bit about those those wide receivers, not in the top four that you like. You don't have to get super deep, but just, just give me some names and, and why you like these guys. Yeah, the first thing I want to say is I don't like to get super deep with ro- rookie wide receivers. I feel like their hit rate is a lot lower than deep rookie running backs. I would rather use my third, fourth round picks and use your metric, the launch score, to go after some late round RBs. But if I'm going to look at some wide receivers outside the top four, I think it's really fair to go look at Kelvin Harmon. He was actually being hyped up to be the wide receiver in this one, wide receiver one in this class before the combine. And even before the combine, people were saying he's not that athletic. He's not necessarily unathletic, but he's not going to blow up the combine. And he went out to the combine and tested a little below average and has just completely fallen off the map here. So I'm actually going to be buying into Kelvin Harmon a little bit. And he reminds me a lot of Juju Smith-Schuster, not in the way they play, but in how their rookie process turned out, where Juju had a lot of hype going into 2017. And then throughout the offseason, all that hype slowed down. He ended up falling in rookie drafts, and he turned out to be a great value. Obviously, Harmon, you can't guarantee that he's going to do that. But I think he's fallen too far at this point. And if he lands somewhere nice in the NFL, He'll draft. I'll be happy to take him. I love that. I, Ben's Ben's pretty big on Kelvin Harmon. He likes them as maybe a, a top six or seven wide receiver. And before, I mean, before we even got to the NFL Combine, Ben was sending us us these these films of Kelvin Harmon. He's been he's been high on him for a while. He's dropped a little for me. I have him at seven, so I, I I like him. Yeah. My guy is Marquise Brown. You already talked about him a little bit, but I'm a big Hollywood guy. I just think people forgot about him just because he's hurt. And so I think he's an intriguing talent, and I would take him over Andy Isabella or any of those other guys. I think as a deep threat, he he's phenomenal. So like one thing, like Baker said, Baker Mayfield said he's faster than D.D. Westbrook, and D.D. Westbrook ran a four-three-four. And so like Hollywood is quick, right? I mean, so I think there's a lot of stuff going on there where if he goes the right place, um, gets a good opportunity as a quarterback that'll throw deep. We like that a lot. I think he, he also too he has. The ability to be more complex than what we think he is because Antonio Brown's his cousin and, you know, he's training all these things. And so route running rise, I think there's a, some, some development possibility that you're excited about. What do you think about Hollywood? Are you Is he a guy that, that you're a little bit higher on with the, the Lewis Frank injury and not running at the combine? He has definitely dropped. Do you like Hollywood or are you kind of staying away? I have two takes on Hollywood. And one is for the NFL, he's going to be an amazing wide receiver. I can easily see him being the wide receiver one drafted in the NFL draft. He's going to really help the team he goes to. He's going to make the offense more efficient. He's going to be like John Ross, which I talked about earlier. I think he's going to be a really good field stretcher. I think he's going to be a really good deep threat. But that doesn't necessarily translate over to fantasy football. I don't think he's going to get the targets. I don't think he's going to get the volume, so I'm not going to be touching him, but I can completely understand the excitement, and I would be surprised if he falls outside of round one in the NFL draft.
You guys want to hear space fact? Yes. Yes, sir. All right. So today, on April 10th, 2019, they released the first picture of a black hole. And the black hole that they got the picture of, it really looks like if you just kind of squint your eyes at the sun. But what, what it is, is it's a picture of a black hole that's 55 million light years away. And so what that means is you're seeing the picture of the star as it looked 55 million years ago. So if you want to see what that, that black hole looks like now, you have to wait 55 million years, just like we have to wait 55 million years for Frank Gore to retire. <laughs> I felt like that's that, a good tie-in. Nice. That was good. That was awesome. That is just crazy to think about. That is mind-blowing that we're seeing that from 50, did you say 55 million years ago? Yeah. I mean, like, that's when the dinosaurs were roaming the Earth. So, like, that's the black hole that the, happened when dinosaurs were here. Is it, that, that's the, that's mind-blowing. It's, cra- it's crazy how time and space works like that, where you're, like, the light got to us at a like that long ago like that's the same light and that's the same picture that existed that long ago and we have no idea like if it's there we have no idea like we have no idea what it's like now because it was so long ago and so like the whole that whole thing just blows my mind oh yeah did you see the uh, eye of sauron meme no (laughs) it looks just like it it's true how interesting is that that like sauron and a black hole look the same that is super weird is that is that like Sauron was because we talked about how last week we talked about how a black hole is just infinite like it's it's ever increasing density with less and less volume and so there's just like so much space so Sauron was very very like self and that's like that's how he missed the hobbits getting through is because he was so, like, it looked like he was searching everywhere, but he was so, like, inwardly focused and collapsing inwardly that he couldn't he couldn't actually see the hobbits getting through to destroy him. That's some deep stuff there. I think, so, if, if the black hole, the only reason why you can see it is because of the light around it. So, like, when you take a picture of something, you, you get the image back because the light reflects off of that image, right? And that produces the, the picture. Um, and so what you're seeing is a, a ring around it, and that's just the light, um, just kind of in the area. And then just the black hole itself, though, is just infinite darkness, which is fascinating. Weird. Have you looked into space at all, Mason? <laughs> Mason, you like space, man? Uh, I've looked into it a decent amount. I mean, I know what it is. I know what's going on. I don't know a lot you, about it. But... Do you think it's possible for scenarios like Space Jam to really exist? <laughs> like an alternate universe okay what's on the other side of the black hole what if that is like what if that is where all the monsters live i'll say this i would be very 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 surprised if we are the only life in the universe oh i like it mason do you think mathematically that's almost impossible for us to be the only life that's true i just wonder like if in these other in these other potential worlds, what would what would like what, what does life look like? Do they have? Do you think if there was another alien species, would they have like an equivalent game of the NFL? 
We're just like they, they have an NFL without concussions. Yeah, because maybe like they're so much more advanced that they fixed that. <laughs> yeah. NFL where the players hold the value instead of the owners, just a utopia. <laughs> it could it could be very well be. We have no idea. <laughs> well, I would like to think so. I would like to think so too. You have any uh, college football takes? Not really. Not a massive college football fan. I can tell you that UT is going to win the Big 12 in a couple of years. I mean, our draft, our recruiting classes have been absolutely insane. And Tom Herman loves to play to his competition, whether that was at Houston or at Texas. Yeah, yeah. he did a good, great job with Houston. Yeah. So. yeah. OK, here's what my betting take would be for Texas. If you're going to bet a Texas game, always bet the under. 